You can take your Bible, please turn over to Matthew chapter 14, back to where we were this morning. Matthew 14, verse 13 through, uh, down through the 21. I'm not going to read all that. Most of you are familiar with this this uh, passage and uh, it is found in every one of the Gospels. It's the only the only sign miracle that Jesus performed that John duplicates with the Synoptic Gospels. The other three Gospels tell the same story in different viewpoints, but John tells a completely different story. But this instance of the feeding of the 5,000, it's really the feeding of the 20,000. If you take, it's 5,000 men, if you take women and children, it's upwards of 20,000. And, uh, and that's, it's, it's the only one found in all four of the Gospels. It's the only one that John duplicated from the other Gospels. I really think it's a pattern for every one of us to follow. This morning we looked at uh, the picture of our age in this verse 13 and 14. I want to just home in on verse 14 tonight and talk about the pattern for the feeding. And uh, maybe that may be too picky for you, but here's how I divided it. 13 and 14 gives you the picture of our age. 14 gives us the pattern for the feeding. Basically, it's this. Jesus went forth. Without Jesus, there's no feeding. He is the miracle of the feeding. And so, and then uh, sometime in the future, we'll look at beginning in 15, the problem of the disciples, and finally, the program for the church, the program for the servants that we see here. That's the way I outlined this chapter. And... uh, so I want to look tonight at this thought of the pattern for the feeding. Verse 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Uh, so, so it begins with this, he went forth. Let's let's pray, please. Father, I ask you to have your way here tonight. I know that it's been a long day. We're weary, and uh, there's there's some folks here with six flags on their mind. I just ask you, Lord, that you'd help us to just, for a few minutes, focus on you and look to Jesus and see the... uh, the people around us that we talked about this morning, the people of great need, the people who need a miracle, the people who are so confused about the gospel. Please have your way with us. Help us, Lord, to yield our heart to you tonight. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we do pray. Amen. The, the verse says, and Jesus went forth. And if you look at your Bible, I'm just going to skim down through this. Jesus went forth a lot of places. Always, it was to needy people. He went over, in, over at the well of Sychar, John chapter 4. He went forth to a harlot, a Samaritan harlot down at the well. She needed help. 
And uh, in, in John chapter 5, he winds up down at the pool of Bethesda, and there's, an, uh, there's a paralytic there that's been there for 30-something years. And uh, Jesus, when Jesus said, Sir, would you be, why don't you be healed? He said, Sir, I have no man. He went forth to him. He went forth to the uh, leper in Mark chapter 1 at Capernaum. It's amazing to me if you read that text. You know it was against the law for a Jew to touch a leper. If a Jew touched the leper, he was, he was uh, cast out. He couldn't go into the temple. But, and the leper said, if you, if you would, you could heal me. He said, I will, and he touched him. And instead of him catching leprosy, that was a, that was a sanitary law. Don't, you don't touch the leper so you don't get leprosy. That was long before the Department of Disease and Warfare came to be in America. God already had it figured out that you separate that unclean from the clean, and it works. During, that, during the Dark Ages, that Black Death in Europe, thousands died with it. They thought the Jews were witches because they didn't catch it. The difference was the, these sanitary laws that God had given them thousands of years before Jesus came. So, uh, so then there's uh, blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. Then Bartimaeus means the son of a blind man. So here's a blind man who's the son of a blind man. His daddy was blind and now he's blind and he's still sitting on the road begging but till Jesus stood still. When Jesus stood still, everything changed. He came, he came to him. And over in Luke chapter 15, I'll just read that. I want to read a couple of verses there at the first of that chapter, one of the great... Then drew near to him, this verse 1, then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eat with them. Every one of us go into stratas of society around us that where there's some stigma on somebody and so you don't speak to them, you don't touch them, you don't talk to them, you don't. We've lived with that all of our life, haven't we? And uh, some of us have known what it means to take the uh, take the shame of that person on us in order to help them a little bit. We work with Homeless No More Baptist Church here in town, and they take all the abuse and the rejection of the homeless in order to help the homeless. And uh, I, I preached in a church over in downtown where the preacher has, has, has the street people. He's a street preacher, and he preached, preaches to street people. There's a lot of people who would not even think about joining his church. His church has a struggle to grow. You know why? The stigma of the street people is on that man. Jesus took the stigma of the publicans and sinners in order that he might help 
he went out to the publicans and sinners. He says over in Matthew, I didn't come to call sinners to, or I didn't call, come to call righteous to repentance, but sinners. And, uh, and so, uh, so he goes out. And he always, he, when he went forth, he went forth with a purpose. Look at Luke chapter 4. i got to do a little bit of this. Luke chapter 4. There's a verse here. If I can get to 4. In verse 18, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And he went down to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Verse 18, here's where they handed him the the scroll. And it was opened to the book of Isaiah. And, And in verse 18, he gives you the scripture that he read. And he he opened a book, found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if Jeff was going to discuss this verse, he'd tell you, look at the repeated words. That's the way we learn to study the Bible. What's the repeated word? Three times he says, I came to preach. The charismatics call this a healing verse. It's not a healing verse, it's a preaching verse. Jesus came to preach over in chapter, in verse 43, after he is, after they've went, uh, things that have gone on in chapter 4, uh, verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went to the desert place. The people sought him, came to him, stayed and stayed him that he should not depart for them. And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, for therefore am I sent. His purpose for coming was what? To preach the gospel. To declare the the prophecies fulfilled concerning Messiah. And now salvation's available just by believing on on the Christ. Of Calvary, and so, uh, so he, he, he had purpose in what he, when he went forth. He went forth with purpose. He went to preach. His in Mark chapter three, the, his family came out about the time he was getting started over there in Galilee and. And they said he's beside himself. They said he's nuts. He's lost his marbles. They thought he was crazy. And he said, I didn't come to call righteous, but the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And we quoted that verse this morning over in 1 Timothy 1.15. Uh, It's a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. Understand this. We're not about religion. We're about a Savior. Our purpose is not to build big buildings or have religious services. Our purpose is to reach lost souls with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, have a, we are sent forth for that purpose. 
Mark 3, 14, he ordained 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. They were at the Bible college with Jesus for three years. Peter said we, we felt him, we handled him, we touched him, we heard him, we saw him. We saw his majesty. And then we went out to preach Jesus to the lost world. And, uh, and he says to us, pray the Lord of the harvest for laborers to go out into the harvest. And uh, over in Acts, let's go over to Acts chapter 8. I want to show you a couple of verses. You remember, you remember, I know you know this. I know you know Matthew 18, 28. What is that? We call it the Great Commission. It says, go into all the world and teach, the, uh, teach all nations, baptizing them. Then he says in Mark 16, 15, go and preach the gospel to every creature. And you can look to each of the four gospels and there is a great commission in each one of them given by the risen Savior. And, uh, and in fact, you can even take it to the book of Acts. There's a great commission there, Acts 1-8. That's going to be the theme of our missions conference this year. Our theme is to every nation. He said in Acts 1-8, Church, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. So our, so our purpose when he sends us out is to go. He, I say this all the time. Let me say it one more time. Maybe you never thought about it. Jesus says to a lost world, to every lost sinner who ever lived, Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me. I'll give you peace. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest. Come unto me, he says. He never says that to the church. What he says to the church in five commissions is, you go, you go, you go. Psalm 126.6 says, He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, uh, bearing his sheaves with him. Some of y'all don't, don't know what sheaves are. We used to call them bundles, and we used to shock them. Did you ever do that, Alan? I, I, used, to, I used to shock feed in the fall, and the, they, the old uh, machine would go through there and throw out the bundles all over, and we'd stack those bundles and put the grain up. Did you ever do it, Bob? That was, that was good spending money for teenagers back in my day, and a lot of fun, too, while you were doing it. But those bundles dry, and then you feed, the, feed those bundles. They become the feed for the cattle. When he said sheaves, that's what he's talking about. You, you plant one seed, but you gather sheaves of seeds. And so he's, and he said, go forth and weep it. And he comes again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's, that is a, that's our purpose. So look here and look in, in Acts now. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. He's talking about Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Wait a minute, Jesus. You said that you'd build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He did say that, didn't he? Matthew 16, 18. But why is persecution coming on the church? Because he said in Acts chapter 1, when you receive the power, 
Then you go to all nations. And by Acts chapter 8, nobody's going. There's, there's been 3,000 saved and 5,000 saved and others saved, and there's a great multitude in Jerusalem church, but nobody's going. And so he allows persecution to come so the church would go fulfill the purpose that he saved us for. And if you read verse 4, Therefore they, were, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. If you look at verse number uh, 1, he said they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. It wasn't the preachers that were scattered. He left the preachers in Jerusalem, but, but he scattered people like you and me throughout that world to preach his gospel for him. So you're saying, well, my purpose right now is Six Flags, or my purpose right now is get a hamburger after church, or, your, or whatever you've got on your mind. But your purpose in all that you do, in all that you are, your purpose is to become that soul winner. He, he's going to see, he's going to say in this chapter uh, that he, he's going to say in this chapter, and he says it again over in uh, John, look at verse 16. When they came and said, send them away, that's the next section. He said, look at it, I've got this marked in my Bible, give ye them to eat. So he went forth, but who did the feeding? His disciples. Y'all got it? Verse 16, Mark chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 4. 14, verse 16. They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Somebody said, well, I just don't know enough Bible yet to be a soul winner. Well, you need to learn two or three verses and get, get some of it down and then get to be a soul winner. That's what he saved you for. He's, what he says to you is they don't need to depart. Give, hey, Brother Gary had a man back there sitting by him this morning that he spent 20 or 30 minutes with yesterday morning at the Bible handout. He came back to get a clarification on what Brother Gary had told him yesterday. That's the way it works. Look here. We've got people sitting all over this audience. We've got, we got several preachers in this church right now. And you're saying I can't be a soul winner. Here's what you do. I promise you this will work. You pray and ask God where he wants you to go. Who, you, who does he want you to go to? Maybe it's your grandkids or your kids or your uncle or your aunt or your... Uh, maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your workmate. I don't know who it is. doesn't matter who it is. You pray about it first. And then go with a heart for them. And maybe even a tear in your eye. And tell them what God has done for you. Do it the best you can. Give them a verse if you know a verse. And, and, and just tell them what God's done for you. And when you get through, if they don't get saved, then bring them over here to the Bible men. And there's plenty of Bible men that can take the Bible and show them exactly, verse by verse by verse, how to be saved out of the book. There's plenty of people around here can help you with that. But what it really takes is a heart for service. What it takes is a heart for souls. What Jesus is teaching those guys at the feeding of the 5,000 is, I've come here and you can't do it without me. 
but you've got to do it. Friend, we can't do it without him, but we have to do it. What went on here yesterday morning is just a, you know, just a dribble in the bucket of what we need to do every week out of this church. And if we do it, we'll see him bless it. He had to bless the bread. He broke it. He blessed it. They took it. He'll bless your bread if you, give him, if you get serious about it and let him take you. So, he had a purpose. We have a purpose. He saw the multitude. He knew their need. And he sees us and he knows our need. He, he, he states it. I'm not going to go to all the verses, but I'm, in John 4:35, he says, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. Alan went on wheat harvest several years. What does that mean, brother, when it's white to harvest? What's the, what happens if we don't harvest? It'll rot. We pulled into Goodland, Kansas. I went on wheat harvest two years. Pulled into Goodland, Kansas. Went, went out there in the 20 miles out there to a, to a Dutch-German settlement. And there was a section, a, a one section of rolling 60 bushel wheat. It's amazing. I made the first cut that afternoon just marked off a, a, a spot. And it was, it was sprinkling a little bit, and so we stopped and went to town, got our rooms, got all set, was ready to harvest. It rained for two weeks. By the time we got back to that field, most of the harvesters had already moved to other fields. They knew what was happening in those fields. We'd already had a contract with a German farmer out there, and my boss was enough of a man to keep his word. We stayed there for two weeks, and then we cut his field. And that 60 bushel wheat became five bushel wheat. The rest of it rotted on the ground. It's a good picture. He said, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're white already under harvest. We either do business for him or uh, we either harvest as he's do the, to fulfill our purpose or it goes to rot. There's no political party out there trying to stir up souls to go to heaven. God's not using lawyers and politicians to reach people to take them to heaven. But God has ordained his church to, uh, to do his purpose, to go. You can't do it sitting down. You got to go. The word is go. Every, every one of those great commissions begins with the word go. Psalm 126.6 says go. He that goeth forth. So, uh, you ought to pray about that a little bit. Think about that. We need to see the need. I've got old figures. Sometime in October, this world will roll past 8 billion people. My figure is 6.7 billion when I wrote this, when I wrote this figure down here. At 6.7 billion... This hour, while we're in church, 10,800 people will go into hell in this world. 10,000. 
800 people an hour will die worldwide while we're talking and preaching about going and doing. Think about that. It's about three per second going into hell. Three per second. No wonder the Bible says that hell has enlarged itself. Three per second. And 99.8% of them have never been saved. There's at least a third of them that don't even have a Bible in their language. And the problem is not their problem, it's our problem. He said, you pray, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. And uh, and the labor field is pretty slim, isn't it? So, I got some other stuff, but I'm I'm not going I'm not going to bore you with the fact that in Mark chapter nine three times he says they're going to a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. I'm not going to bore you with the fact that over there in Luke, in Revelation chapter twenty he says that every bit of hell was cast into a lake of burning fire, and that's where they'll always be. They'll never come back from hell. I talked to some folks here a while back talking about purgatory. There's no purgatory in our Bible. Hell is a final place. Hell is a place of separation. Hell is a place of no God. Hell is a place of eternal torment. And he says that's where this world's going if we don't go. So, inside that, Luke, Mark, Matthew 24 said, In such hours you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Everything on this world says he's got to come quickly. When we don't set a date. Here's the part I love the best. And Jesus went forth and saw the great multitude, eight billion people. And you understand this, there's more people living on earth right now than have lived in all the generations up to now. Wow. We are responsible. We have some responsibility for souls, wouldn't you say? Think about this. We brag about ourselves being independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptists. If that's true, and I think it is, who has the great responsibility for Fort Worth, Texas? We do. That other church or that other church or that other religion or that that's playing games that have never heard the truth. They, they get a little joke session, feel-good session, a little, little rock and roll music, and they call that worship. They don't have the responsibility that you do. You got a King James Bible on your lap. You got the real Word of God on your lap. You got the wisdom of God. You've heard preachers preach it. You have understanding of this burden for souls. What we do with it is eternally important. And we can't shuffle it off to the Methodists, the Catholics, or the Presbyterians. We, independent, fundamental, Bible-reading, Bible-believing Baptists, have the responsibility for souls. If you would have went to that camp that day, who had the great responsibility? Those disciples did. If those 5,000 men plus women plus children get fed, those disciples are going to have to do their part.
You're the disciples. I'm a disciple. We're the servants that he uses, the vessels that he uses to carry the bread out where the need is. Why'd you do all that, Jesus? Verse 14 says, He saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. It's the compassion. If you don't have compassion toward them, you'll never go. You'll twiddle your thumbs and play little church games, and you'll never go. The love of Christ constrains you. You'll have to go. You'll have to tell it. You'll have to, you'll have to be his servant in this thing of feeding the multitude. We each, are, we each have responsibility. But it'll take a compassionate heart. Someone with the love of Christ in his heart. I've got a bunch of stuff to say about a merciful Savior. I can't say it all. Uh, he went to a lot of people. He had com- that leper in Mark chapter 1 said, If you would, you could heal me. He said, I will. And he touched him. And he was healed. It's not if he will, it's if we will. That's how it works. He will every time. His compassion never fails. I've, I've read everything I could find about, about compassion in preparation for this. And I can't get it, I can't take it all in. Compassion means that ever, that never-ending mercy of God. The mercy of God that goes down to the deepest pit, the darkest hole. The mercy of God that goes to them who despise him. The, sometimes you'll read Luke 19, 41. When he's when he's on his way to Calvary and he stands out there and weeps over that city, on the last walk through, headed for Calvary, knowing in his heart what he's going to do, uh, over in, over in, let's go over to John chapter 11 just a minute. Here's a good picture. Lazarus has died. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Bethany. And Martha, as soon, verse 20, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She said that in an accusing way. You could have been here. You should have been here. But if you would have been here, my brother would not be dead. That was her attitude. And, but she had faith. She said, I know that even now whatsoever I will ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said to her, thy brother shall rise again. She said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Believest thou this? Can y'all get a hold of that? Just knowing him sets us free from that bondage of death. She said, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. And and then uh, she answers Mary's call, and she said, Mary's, Mary's, uh, she said to Mary, the master's come. I love this passage. One of my favorite. Up in verse number, up in verse number five, there is an old English part of speech that most of you have never heard called a polysyndeton. A polysyndeton separates the sentence 
into individual pieces. Look at verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha, comma, that's a polysyndeton. If he never loved Lazarus, he loved Martha. If he never loved Mary, he loved Martha. That's what that says. If there was not another person on the earth, I love Martha. That's what he's saying. Then the next phrase says, and her sister. Mary's always the unknown. She doesn't have a house. She doesn't have property. She's not, she's always the unknown. But even without a name, he loved her sister. If there was no Martha, if there's no house, if there's no dinner next Sunday, he loved her sister. You get that? And Lazarus. And if there's no sisters, he loved Lazarus. You know, the song says, somebody got it in a song, said he loved me like I was his only child. You ever been there? When there's no when there's no congregation, when there's nobody else looking on and it's just you and him. And you realize the God of all the universe, the creator of all the worlds, the, the manager of every second of every day for every person that ever lived is doing business one-on-one -on -one with you. He cares about you. He cares about me. It's hard to get a hold, on, hold of that. It's hard to get a hold of that he loved Martha. Martha's a little hard to love for me, but he loved Martha. And he loved Mary. And he loved Lazarus. He loved them all the same. John's going to say, I'm the one he loved. But he didn't love John any more than he loved Peter, old leather-breathed Peter. Always got a shoe in his foot. I mean, a foot in his mouth. He loved them. And he loves us individually. Look down here. Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Here's the, here's the verse, verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Tell me how that can be. He's fixing to call Lazarus out of the, back out of the death. He knows what he's going to do. But he's, his love is such that he groaned for her and for them. He loved them. And, and then, of course, 35 says Jesus wept. Probably the only verse in the Bible that says God wept is right there. And it, he didn't weep about a world falling apart. He didn't weep about the, uh, the Jewish nation falling under. But he wept for a one broken-hearted sister. Y'all get that? I can't get it. Bigger than me. I'm thankful for it, but I don't understand it. I mean, I've hauled my grandkids around on trips. And my patience wears thin after a while. I've had to turn around and say, looky here, we're going into that restaurant, and if you make a move, I'm going to take you out. He never had to say that. He just wept. He just loved. If we could get that, we'd fill this house up. If we could get that. If we could carry his love to this lost world. 
people that do not love him. If we could just get them to see how much he loved them, they'd be saved. They'd get, they'd want to be where he was. See, he's the only one that can meet the need. There's 12 disciples there. They can't meet the need. They're saying, send them away. That's what we'd say, isn't it? You kitchen ladies, you got 5,000 people to feed back here at the kitchen. What are you going to say? Send them away. We can't feed that many. That's what, that's what the disciples said. That was the heart of the disciple band. We can't do it. Flanagan's wrote a song, and he could really sing it. He would stick his thumb in his mouth, and he'd say, I just can't do it. That's all there is to it. I just can't do it, Lord. I just can't do it, preacher. I just can't do it. That's what we say most of the time, isn't it? Well, I would if I could, but I can't. We'll never will be able to until he works through us. And this this pitch, this program of the feeding is allowing him to take the preeminence so that he can feed through us to a lost world. That's what the picture is here. He, look over here in Psalm 103 just a minute. He healed their sick. Psalm 103 verse 1 said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfied thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like an eagle. And it goes on. You can read the rest of it. That's who he is. But he will use men. He wants to use. Over in Mark chapter 6, verse 37 says, Got to get to Mark, it's not Matthew. 6.37, He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. He can bless it, he can break it, he can provide it, but he's dependent on us to give it to them. That's the, that's the uh, program of the feeding. And they, that bunch running up and down that road and all, all over town, you know, they're coming down to the end of it right now. They started out Friday night, everything was party time. Now it's there's a lot of headaches and heartaches and tears been shed and boats are broke and all kinds of stuff. And we could help them find out where the real joy is, real peace real satisfaction if we would give them something to eat that's the program we'll never do it until he does it through us let's stand Father I just ask you to have your way right now Please, I ask you Lord to touch our hearts help us Lord to be uh, submissive to you and humble before you. 
and help us, Lord, to let you work in us, through us, and with us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he never forsakes us. Thank you that he always cares. Thank you, Lord, that he is, he is always available for every need that we have. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to yield to his commandment that we give them something to eat. Please have your way with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What number, Brother John? Page 155. While we're singing, these altars are open, and if you need to pray, the, well, the, you're welcome to pray. If you need help, there's people here who can help you. Would, you. would you do business with him right now? See if we got enough water in the baptistry to baptize that long drink of water over. All right. Well, as usual, if you have a song, a favorite song you want to sing, have one in mind. Overjoice in the Lord. Do you have a page number for that? If you'll find that, we'll sing that next. Why don't we sing 289 starting out? <clears throat> Let's do 289 and then we'll sing that one. 312, you said? Okay, 289, nor silver nor gold. <clears throat> nor silver
112. <clears throat> over the hilltop.
272. Brother, Brother Harry, that was you? Okay. I didn't remember if you knew the rule. If I don't know it, you've got to lead it. Actually, I don't know this one very well. Oh, saved by the bell. going to do this a little different because we have not voted on brother Alan so Alan you have been saved now and you want to go forward with this baptism church amen I couldn't hear the amens Sunday I realized that I was not saved and I, like I said I was 77 years old now and I want to serve God the best I can with the years that I have left and I've been tried to serve this church for the last few years yeah. and I and I promise you I'll, I'll serve it better now that Jesus is in my heart. And it's just been an amazing week for me. I'd heard all my life that God gives you the peace that passes all understanding. And I never did understand that, but I do now. And, and just thank you for the church, for your church, and all you mean to me, every one of you. Thank you.
we we, we got to get dressed so y'all can go on. And I understand that if you need to talk something to us, we'll be out as quick as we can be. But if you need to go on, it'll be okay. That thing was on mute the whole time, I think. Well, let's be dismissed with our chorus. It's open the eyes of my heart. Let's stand. Open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes.